Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Guma. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Nick Crail from Ash Burton Investments and independent analyst Chris Gilmore. Thank you so much. Um, we actually did have Nick earlier on, uh, but uh, he was frozen. Um, so we'll start off with you, Chris. Uh, so lots that's happening in the UK right now. Liz Truss resigning. She was in office for 44 days, the shortest serving British Prime Minister in its history. And what makes it worse is that even in that 44 days, um, her premiership was uh, paused for 10 days after the death of Queen Elizabeth. What are you making of all the chaos that's happening right now? Zanotti, you put your finger on it. It's, it's, it's utterly chaotic. It's, it's, it's shambolic. Words fail me to try and you know, describe exactly how bad things are. Uh, Britain is the laughing stock of the Western world. It really, really is. Uh, and to, to, to make matters worse, they're even suggesting that Boris Johnson is going to be standing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, really, can you just imagine? I mean, he was effectively hounded out of office by his own people. Yeah. Who, you know, I mean, it's not so long ago, back in July, the resignations were coming thick and fast from his own party get rid of him at all costs, and now they seem to want him back. Yeah. I mean, really, it's, I, I think it just shows you how far the Conservative Party has changed. It's become very right-wing, very libertarian, um, and it's, it's really not what, what it should be. Um, it's, um, it's, 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 it's not really appealing to the broad mass of the British population anymore. And, and that's why I think it's probably more um, in keeping that what, what should be happening is having a general election now. I think that that really would be the right thing to do. But they, they won't. They, they'll they'll avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Given the fact that um, the, the Labour Party is so far ahead in the polls. It really is so, so chaotic to the point where now uh, common commentators are coming out saying that Boris Johnson could come in. I mean, do you think that now they're, they're kind of looking at Boris Johnson as the lesser evil? Well, yes, I suppose they, they look back in, in a kind of romanticized view of him and think, well, here's the guy who led them to an 80 seat majority. Uh. Um, not realizing he was the guy who allowed the party gate to happen at, uh, in Downing Street. He was the, the guy who let all of these, these, um, these sexual harassment uh, things go with, with many of the ministers and stuff like that. The guy was a joke, in my humble opinion. <laughs> no, look, I think if, if, they want, if they want to get somebody who's a serious contender, they must, they must get Rishi Sunak, the guy who was number two mm. in, in, the, in the polls. I mean, Rishi Sunak has got a great pedigree. He actually knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I think uh, even if he wants to keep Jeremy Hunt as the chancellor, then, you know, I think it can actually work. And Rishi is actually probably one of the people that are saying, I told you so. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. 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 Um, Nick, we're actually just talking about what's happening in the UK with Liz Truss's resignation. Are you surprised sure. at all by the market reaction? Because everything's in the green. I'm not surprised by the market's reaction. Remember, um, only a couple of sort of, it seems a very short period of time ago that, um, you know, they came up with a new sort of economic plan and we saw the market absolutely plunge on that. Yeah. So, unfortunately, with that sort of uh, introduction into the market, I think automatically you could assume that her credibility was blown. Mm -hmm. um, and so it really comes down to credibility. We've seen it with Des van der Rohen uh, in South Africa before. Okay. Once your credibility is not there, 
it's it's very tough to get back. And so the market, I think, is just looking at this and thinking, well, I mean, it's a mess, but uh, maybe it's going to be better. Maybe maybe we've got somebody with a little bit more credibility coming in. Okay, I get that Liz was the one that really caused a lot of volatility and uncertainty in the markets. But Nick, I mean, do you not think that at this point, especially getting rid of her ahead of the budget, the budget is 11 days away. Do you not think that this maybe creates more uncertainty than what is needed? Uh, let's, let's be honest. Uh, I think uh, English politics really since Brexit happened has been in a bit of a doldrum. Mm. Um, it really has been a bit of a mess. I would completely agree with the idea that uh, whoever's taking over is really taking over a poison chalice, as it were. It's a almost untenable position to be in. There's no right way. There's no easy way to sort of extricate yourself from what really has been some difficult sort of, uh, I suppose, economic positions over the last couple of years. So very tough to do. But um, hopefully the market will perceive whatever is done uh, in a slightly better light than what we've seen over the last six weeks. Yeah. Talking about tough, Sasol coming out with an operational update today and operationally things are very tough. Um, there's uh, load shedding uh, being an impact, um, also uh, global growth demand being an impact there as well, and then having a fire in Lake Charles. When looking at the investment case of Sasol right now, because it has been supported by the high oil price. Uh, Chris, on your side, I mean, do you look at that supportiveness that's coming from the, uh, the high oil price? Or do you now start to look deeper into their operations? No, look, I think you do look at the, the, the high oil price. And I know lots of people have said, look, Sasol has now become much more of a chemicals company uh, than an oil company. And sure, there's a, there's a lot of uh, substance to that argument. But, um, you know, they'll, they'll certainly do well out of this, this elevated... Um, this elevated level for the, the oil price and, the, and, and, and with the weak rand as, as well, let's not forget. Um, and operationally, you know, they, they've largely got an awful lot of their problems uh, under control. I mean, OK, you can't really do much about a fire at Lake Charles. That, that, that These things happen. Mm. Um, so, look, I think generally speaking, they, they have got themselves, um, they, they have got the operational side far, in far, far better shape than, than they had a year or two ago. Definitely. Yeah. Um. Nick, are you looking at it as these things happen? Um, this is just how uh, things go operationally? Or do you maybe think that markets for a long time just glossed over that because of the support from the commodity prices? Well, I think having a look at Sassel, um, let's be frank, over the last sort of seven years, there's been many an operational issue uh, that's, that's happened within the sort of stable. I think you combine that then with um, the amount of carbon that's sort of emitted through their South African operations in general as well. And so investor sentiment towards that type of company going forward. Uh, where it sort of leaves you, um, you know, more recently would have been, yep, a strong sort of turnaround, definitely aided by commodity prices. Um, and, you know, it's cheap. Um, your only issue is, are these operational sort of challenges as well as, uh, let's, let's, let's be honest, so far we are seeing oil come under a little bit more pressure than where it was three, four months ago. Has the, the, the hike sort of been hit or not? Uh, and do investors go back and run sort of uh, tail between legs and start looking at, again, operational issues as well as then ESG concerns, so on and so forth? Um, you know, so is it, is it value or is it a value trap? Uh, that is, that is a, a bit of, I suppose, a question that needs to be asked. And, and we'll really know the answer uh, over, the, over the next couple of years.
All right. Well, let's get to some of the questions. Uh, so there's a question here on Renogen. Hi to the gurus. Is Renogen worth a punt now that it's in production? If yes, what's a good um, guesstimate price to try and enter? I think looking at Renogen, I think it's a difficult one to try and figure out a good entry point because you've seen the share price has been on quite a run. But of course, they still in the very early stages of, of, of commercialization. Um, I remember I asked um, one analyst a few months ago, um, you know, when is a good time? And they said, if you believe in the story, really, any time is a good time. Because I remember when I entered, um, it had been on a run, but it was still quite cheap because after that, it increased some more. Uh, Chris, what do you have to say about Renogen? Yeah, look, I don't follow this one, but, it, you know, Anthony Clark's the guy to speak to, the, the, the small cap specialist. Um, and yeah, that, I suppose that sentiment is quite right. Um, you know, it's, it's an exploration company and uh, you, you, with exploration companies like this, uh, and, and they have got some, some good prospects, absolutely. I mean, really, we're not just talking helium here. There, there's quite a few other things. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it, none of this has really come to fruition yet. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've really got to, to understand that there's an awful lot of risk tied up in this one. Yeah. Um, Nick, do you look at it in terms of uh, looking at the kind of prospects that it could have or maybe from a risk point of view where they really will need a lot of capital? No, for me, I, I think, um, well, I suppose the question phrased it right. Uh, you know, it's a punt. Um, <laughs> you've got to believe the story. And if you believe the story and have a look at what they say and the things sort of come through to fruition, then almost any price right now is a good entry point because it will definitely go up significantly off these sort of levels. Um, what we do see amongst almost all investment cases, what is an investment case? It's uh, you know someone trying to give you a story about how things are going to get better, where the opportunity set and how they can execute and deliver on said opportunity set um, and where investors get it right and get it wrong. You make money when they deliver on that. Um, and you lose a lot of money if the story doesn't come through to fruition. So, you know, it is high risk. And, and for me, I always prefer seeing um, more evidence on the table that they're going to be able to deliver, uh, making it probably taking it away from punt status to something where I have a lot more confidence that, uh, you know, their investment case is really going to come to fruition. So we've got to be further down the track before I think it, uh, it really tickles my fancy. But um, mm. if you believe in the story, jump in. Um, talking about uh, things that tickle your fancy, clicks did tickle the fancy of investors today. Of course, releasing uh, year-end results. So that share price was up uh, over 7% uh, after the release of those results. Uh, looking like uh, solid numbers there. Um, Elon Musk actually said something quite interesting um, at the earnings call last night, saying that Tesla is recession resilient. Chris, do you think that clicks is one of those counters that are challenge resistant or resilient oh look it's never going to really shoot the lights out um although you could be forgiven for thinking that this set of results should try to shot the lights out um i mean turnover up six percent that's not really uh, that that fantastic um and it's interestingly enough the retail side has, has been the star this time around uh, over over many many years, it's been the UPD side, the the um, the wholesale side that, that that's brought in the the money. Um, that didn't have such a great year this year. Um, uh, bottom line, depending on how you account for it, up what thirty three and a half percent or uh, what about eleven point nine percent 
depending on how you want to adjust the, 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 the hips. Um, look, it's still a good result. And to answer your question, um, I think why, why people like this stock is it just keeps on chugging along year after year after year. It's resilient. It, um, people get sick. Um, and, you know, they, they keep on going to clicks because they know exactly what they're, they're going to get. There's, no, there's, there's going to be a clicks at least within a five kilometer radius of, of where you live anywhere in South Africa. But therein lies, to me, lies an incipient danger. Where's the growth in this thing? Where, aren't, aren't, they, aren't they reaching saturation as far as the geographical side is concerned? Um, I think there may be um, a, a bit of a limitation as to, as to where they can uh, expand uh, as far as um, uh, that, that, that side is concerned. So um, I, I love the business. I mean, it really is an incredibly well-managed business, a great company, hugely iconic, but reaching saturation? I don't know. Um, Nick, would you say that they are reaching saturation because now they're saying that um, their target for expansion has increased. Now they're planning to um, uh, add 40 to 50 stores and pharmacies each year going forward. Yes, I'm not sure they're saturated, but I think if you have a look at the sort of price earnings multiples they trade on, um, I think there is almost zero chance that they will ever trade at the same sort of multiple or get the growth, um, you know, that is equivalent to that sort of multiple. So if they're on a forward sort of, let's say, you know, 28, 29 times, I cannot see a, a universe where they're going to be getting 28% growth. So I think you're paying up significantly, but for an incredible quality uh, orientated company, um, where I think it's exactly the opposite of Renegin. You kind of know what you're going to get, um, and you you know what you're going to get, and you, what you're probably going to get is, I would say, over time, uh, you know, anywhere between seven and fifteen percent earnings growth um, with a high degree of certainty. Uh, I also think that you you made a pertinent comment there that it is relatively more recession proof than a lot of other businesses. Um, so, you know, it's very defensive. Um, it is expensive. It's always tough to try and get an entry point. When you get it in, you not, not, not anyone is going to be talking around the bri about the amount of money you made out of investing in clicks. Um, but when people are losing money everywhere, you're going to be congratulated for having clicks in your portfolio because uh. it stands the test of time. <laughs> All right. I hear you. So let's get into logistics. Um, I saw that Grinrod was up 7% today. Uh, when I actually looked to see um, if there's anything that they'd announced, I just saw that uh, this uh, asset manager uh, 361 increased the shareholding, but I'm not sure if that's what um, boosted the share price. Um, Nick, do you think there was anything significant that boosted that share price today? Nothing that I saw. Um, you know, often these sort of things, I suppose, investors crowd out, right? So if you see a lot of other people taking positions in a company, it sort of gives it momentum, I suppose, and gives it interest. Uh, but nothing that, that were on my sort of side that would have explained that sort of big jump. Yeah. Um, there seems to be a lot of positive sentiment around Grunrod, and I'm noticing this more, especially after Grunrod shipping now um, went, I guess, over the line with that uh, takeover, with takeover talks with Maritime uh, Investments in... Uh, Taylor Maritime Investments in the UK. Chris, um, are you feeling the same kind of positive sentiment when it comes to Grinrod? Yeah, Grinrod's one of these funny ones. It's, 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 it's the, it's, it becomes a kind of bit of a darling of the market from time to time. Uh, and then it kind of falls out of, out of favor. Um, 
Not entirely sure why it's. Um, I, I concur with Nick. I don't know why it's it's it's, it's moving up like this today. Um, look, in 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 the new deglobalized world, uh, maybe we're, we're we're it's going to create a niche for itself, if you like, in terms of logistics um, in in the South African context. But who knows? Um, I I've heard nothing to that effect. Yeah. Do you think maybe also, Nick, markets are maybe because I've been hearing a lot of talk um, that there could be a potential offer for Grinrod. Do you think maybe markets are also trading on, on, on that, on those news? Yeah, so there has been a bit of rumors out there. And certainly you're going to find opportunistic guys, um, you know, coming in, uh, pushing the, the share price sort of higher on that sort of basis. Um, we certainly know that any offer that would sort of come through is not going to value the company at a discount to current market share price. Yeah. So if you can push it up a little bit higher, you're going to get a better sort of offer. Uh, ultimately, that might succeed. Um, whether or not that actually sort of comes through to fruition, again, you've got to be a bit of a punter on that sort of side um, or have inside knowledge. Mm. Um, I mean, just with that positive sentiment towards the logistics space, I mean, those counters have really been in a sweet spot right now with the high um, uh shipping freight rates would you be looking at maybe some of the smaller players as well chris i also saw one logics as well today was up about four percent maybe a high tide lifting all boats would you be looking into those smaller players well i mean they're, they're, they're going to be taken out at three nine thirty my share so they're going to be leaving the boards ah, so that, yes. that, that came out today ah. um and look, I mean, one logic's been a, a nice company, but um, it's been beset by all sorts of problems over the years. Yeah. Um, other than that, you've got a whole variety of, of, of other uh, companies um, in, in, in the sector, um, none of which I really look at particularly closely. Yeah. So uh, a, bit, a bit of a hospital pass to Nick there. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I mean, uh, would you be looking at these smaller players? Actually, we did have Santova also today coming out with a trading update saying that it expects headline earnings per share to surge um, by as much as uh, two-thirds. Santova, two um, one logics. Yeah, so from my sort of side, it's not a particularly attractive sector, right? So your earnings can be relatively cyclical unless you hedge out a lot of your sort of costs, et cetera, and get longer term sort of contracts, but then you become a bit boring. Um, on top of that, I think in a logistics sort of, um, you know, field, the sort of moats around those businesses are also questionable. Um, so as much as you might believe in the sort of the industry as a whole, it's, um, I think it's fairly tough to make consistent money over a period of time within that sort of sphere. Uh, so for me personally, I think there are better industries and, and, and better sort of other verticals that one can kind of get into. Ah, all right. There's a question here. Is there a high probability of a rights issue at NAMPAC over the next six to 12 months? Chris? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Does anyone know? No idea. <laughs> yeah, does it, uh, yeah, the market has been quite nervous about um, NAMPAC in regards to their debt and of course, the potential of a rights offer. Nick, do you think that they could get to that point? Well, certainly. So, I mean, you, you've got to know a little bit more, and I'm not the person that knows a little bit more in terms of exactly the level of debt and the maturity of that debt. You know, as we've kind of seen with all sort of companies around the world, interest rates going up significantly. I mean, if you're cruising very close to your sort of upper ceiling of the debt that you're allowed to take on, you have any economic weakness, um, it ultimately means you might breach. And then, you know, relative to that as well, is unless you've got very long-term fixed rate contracts in terms of your debt and how, how you sort of service that, your interest payments are going to go up significantly as well. So, you know, any company, I think, uh, in this sort of environment that's got high levels of debt, 
one's got to feel nervous about. Ah, all right. Um, markets have also been quite nervous about asset managers. And today, actually, Coronation came out with a trading update, um, expecting a decrease in their uh, earnings. Um, Chris, this, this isn't a surprise, right? No, not a surprise in the slightest. I mean, look, if you, if you, with markets being down the way they are and um, the likelihood of them staying depressed for a while yet, um, the outlook for, for, for asset management is, is not going to be great. Look, it's, uh, it's cyclical. Uh, it will come right eventually. But uh, at, at this particular point in time, it's, it's fairly bleak. Yeah. Uh, Nick, on your side, how are you looking at um, the asset managers? Well, I think if you look at them, I mean, really, there's two things that are going to drive um, asset managers' sort of performance. The one, it would be uh, their, their ability to accumulate further assets. And I think in a South African context, uh, we've seen that is quite a difficult, uh, a difficult sort of um, pull to sort of swallow. A lot of the larger asset managers have been struggling to, to really grow the share of their sort of market or market share as a whole. The second thing that's really going to, to sort of drive it would be if you can increase your fees. And we generally know globally that's not really going to happen. Uh, but then thirdly, you're very highly correlated in terms of the amount of revenue that you're going to generate on market performance. So, you know, with market performance being as dire as it has been over the last 12 months, um, you would expect that all of them are going to take a, a serious knock in terms of uh, the fees they, they sort of generate. Um, you know, their AUMs would be under pressure. But again, if you start being a little bit more optimistic that we're close to a bottom and that ultimately, um, you know, really having a look at it with the, the glass half full kind of scenario, that market's going to rebound pretty aggressively, then asset managers currently um, are the place to, to be investing. All right. Earlier on, I spoke about how Elon Musk said that Tesla is recession um, resilient. Um, Chris, do you agree with him or not? Are you talking Tesla specifically or yes. the, whole, um, the, the whole Elon Musk bundle? No, no, not <laughs> just Tesla. <laughs> well, you know, it comes back to what Nick was talking about earlier in terms of the valuation. I mean, I don't know what Tesla's value at now in terms of its PE, but it's something pretty, still pretty horrific. Um, uh, yeah, look, I mean, that is probably the future. But, you know, the, again, the, the jury's out on this one. Uh, are we eventually going to go the route of EVs or are we going to go the route of hydrogen-powered vehicles? And, and we don't actually know yet. Um, because let's face it, EVs do actually uh, create an awful lot more pollution uh, indirectly than what they save in, in terms of, of not creating um, carbon emissions and stuff. So is it, is it recession resistant? Um, I'm not so sure that it is. You know, there's an awful lot of moving parts to this thing. And Elon Musk is a great talker. He's an, he's an absolute genius. Let's, let's be honest about it. But mm -hmm. um, I think he's talking to his book here. Uh, yeah, talking about him being a great talker, he also said that Tesla has the potential um, to um, exceed the market cap of, of, of uh, Apple and Aramco combined. <laughs> um, Nick, um, where are you on Tesla? No, so I've been on the wrong side of Tesla for many a year, just, you know, on valuation basis thinking, no, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. Um, and I think the risks on a longer term basis here are, are way too high. You're going to have so much competition that comes in. Uh, the market hasn't really ever discounted it significantly. So, yes, the share price is, is volatile, but it's not like this ever gets down to a, 
10, 12, 15 times, uh, you know, PE kind of multiple, it stays elevated on the idea that it is going to effectively take over the world, um, be globally growing, and then second to that is going to sustain its sort of market leadership and dominance in the EV sort of space. Uh, we know with all the traditional companies that they're moving aggressively into that sort of field. We've got new companies as well, like Rivian, et cetera, that are going to also come through as competitors. I think Tesla has done remarkably well, um, but for me, I'm uh, just not interested. All right. Well, some things that you guys are interested in, and that's your stock picks. So, Chris, what will it be for tonight? Well, I'm going back to an old favorite, and you won't be surprised with this one, City Lodge. <laughs> Um, the results came out about three weeks ago, and um, almost immediately, I mean, there were good results. Um, we were looking at um, the average occupancies up at uh, about 58% in September, and they're, they're actually making money. And, um, and yet the market just uh, thrashed it, mm. and it hasn't, it hasn't recovered. So as we go well into the holiday season, and as we get more and more uh, foreign tourists coming out of South Africa, you know, last year there were virtually no foreign tourists at this time of year. Uh, that's all changed. Uh, they're coming back with a vengeance. And um, I think a lot of them are going to be staying at City Lodges. And the corporate sector uh, mm. is, is improving uh, quite uh, rapidly as well. Yeah. So you put it all together, I think um, it's, it's definitely on a roll. The tourist marks must come back because I'm also not sure about demand locally because of the high inflation that we are seeing. Um, Nick, on your side, your stock pick? My stock pick for this evening is Bitcorp. So this is um, a relatively expensive company relative to its growth rate. So something like clicks, but with a less of a dislocation, I suppose, between its, its sort of forward multiple and the growth rates that it sort of achieves. Globally diverse in the food services type of business. I think the industry itself is very attractive, remains attractive. Um, it does have large amount of exposure to the UK and to Europe. Uh, but really global in nature in the sense that it's got emerging market and a lot of Australasian um, exposure as well. It's trading down at, I think, depressed sort of multiples. A lot of that uh, coming through on the back of, you know, what's happening in Europe and what's happened in the UK, etc. But I don't think it's justified. So for me, uh, Bitcorp uh, is showing a lot of value at these levels. All right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time and analysis today. Thanks to my guest, Nick Krell from FNB Wealth and Investments and independent analyst, Chris Gilmore. Do join me again tomorrow for the Friday edition of Stockwatch. The show now is live at 1 p.m., but do send your questions just before that. Have a good evening.